You're listening to The Living Force. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. A Utini podcast. Trust the Force. Episode 25. Black Spire Roundtable Part 2. On this episode, New York Comic Con Update, Utini News, and Black Spire Roundtable Part 2. This is where the fun begins. With your hosts, Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, and Charles Hankel. Utini! When I was telling Corey Charles, uh, I got the Spark of the Resistance audiobook today. So I'm going to start that up. I'm hoping to get the physical copy later this week to kind of, you know, listen in the car and then pick up in the book where I left off and then go back, like, try to do that thing that Kindle does automatically, but I don't like Kindle books. It's so weird. I feel like a bad millennial every time I talk about that. I'm like, I want my paper. Guys, you remember me talking about that's how I got, like, so much Legends material done with, right? Like, I told you when I was in, like... I think I was like a sophomore in college or something, and I discovered that you could pirate oh, <laughs> right. books. Yeah, I learned how to do it, and I bought like a four-generation old Kindle because it was like thirty dollars mm-hmm. off of eBay, and I found all of these Star Wars books, and I I read like like literally like a hundred Legends books in a matter of like a, two years or something like that because of that. So, like you know. Not to openly support pirating, but I I own them all now, so I guess it's somewhat okay, right? But you're you're practically the Honda Onaka of ebooks. Exactly. No, no, you're still holding on. Let go. Welcome to episode 25 of the Living Force podcast. That's right, we are a quarter of the way to a hundred episodes. So this is practically an anniversary episode. Welcome to it. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and with me, as always, are the doctors themselves, one of them still wearing a name tag, one of them being Dr. Corey Helton. Hello. Um, Charles, do you do you just walk around with your name tag on like, like Dr. First of all, it's an ID badge. <laughs> uh, if it was a name tag, it would be like disposable, and I'd be scared if your doctor was wearing one of those. <laughs> Second of all, I literally just walked in from work to record with you guys. You're welcome. You're great, Dr. Charles Hankel. Thank you so much. For joining us this week. Folks, as the episode title tells you when you click on these things, unless you just auto-listen, I don't know if that's a thing, but if you just blindly trust us, that's kind of cool. Auto-listen? Know, do you ever, like, is that a thing you can just open up your podcast app and it'll just start playing whatever your newest download is? I don't think so. Just it absolutely do doesn't, but I'm bad at podcast tech. <laughs> <laughs> so likely you're not a person that has that technology. You clicked on the title of this episode, which is The Black Spire Roundtable Part 2. We will be getting into that in just a second. If you missed our previous episode on Black Spire, start there, then come back. But before we get into that, we have a little bit of news to cover because, guys, this past weekend was the New York Comic Con, and my God, there was one major publishing panel. There was a couple other small ones, but one major one that gave us a lot of news. Yeah, Jesus, man, freaking like Lucasfilm and Del Rey, I really wish that they would like remember that there is a convention like dedicated to <laughs> right? star wars because we got like we did not get any news like this like we did it at, at san diego comic-con or new york comic-con they just dropped a lot of really huge news at both of those things and man i don't we just didn't get this much a celebration maybe they didn't want to compete with all the other crazy news yeah but i, I find know. it interesting this year because there's so much media coverage about episode nine right that's clearly like the focus we're all, we're, we're going to the end of the right. year that we don't want to get in the way of that by any means but at the same time you still got to find ways to promote the other stuff that's happening immediately afterwards or there's going to be a giant sales dip so it's, it's interesting yeah, that they're using sure. these kind of cons to give us some news so what we're going to do 
is go through a few of the bullet points here real quick. There is a full... Just in case Exactly, you and if it. you did miss it, there's a full article over on utini.com that I wrote in the back of a car on a road trip and then Charles put together <laughs> on the weekend. <laughs> Classic Utini fashion. That's the level of dedication That's we have. right. Here at the I Lincoln typed Post. it on an iPad and then hooked up my to my phone as a hotspot to save it in a Google Doc to email it to Charles. I was at Home Depot. Eric messaged me and <laughs> said, hey, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, nah. <laughs> uh, but that article is all up there. Uh, and it includes the following. So, guys, I'm going to go through these bit by bit. I just want your basic reactions, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So, first of all, we got news that Project Luminous is going to be officially officially revealed, announced in January of 2020. So, we're finally we have it. We have a date for news, which is kind of like it, a, it's like an announcement about an upcoming announcement. Yes, it's a teaser for a trailer. Yes, it it's kind of weird, <laughs> but. I, I did yes. find it interesting that it, we got a new little tagline, right, that said the force is what gives the Jedi its power or whatever, and then it says, until dot, 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 Project Luminous. Yeah, very odd, right? Like, what is what the heck does that mean? Is there going to be a new it's force? Be, I don't think so. So It's going to be the origin about? of midi-chlorians. That's just all there. It's just going to be an entire comic series about that. It's just going to be like an anatomy lesson with well, science. Do you and, remember George Lucas uh, said there was some interview where he said that he was going to go more into like the microorganism mm-hmm. type stuff in his sequel trilogy. So maybe they're yes, just doing it yes. in book form. That could be it. Yes. It's going to be like the magic school bus. For midichlorians. Mm. Yes. The powerhouse of the force. Yeah. <laughs> but right. I, I, I do think that this kind of confirms that something in episode nine, and confirms might be a strong word, but I think something in episode nine will, yeah, will fundamentally strong. change the ideology of the force because they're, they're not even – announcing revealing anything until post movie so they're gonna wait till everyone's seen it mm-hmm. so i'm guessing that something splits that something maybe connects um using the word yeah. luminous right connects kind of the beings maybe. of the force to this realm maybe using the world between worlds something like that but a lot of speculation maybe. we will get answers in january but yeah. another major announcement speaking of episode nine uh one con later than we thought we got a novelization author and it is none other than Ray Carson, author of Most Wanted. Yes. She's doing it. Which Excellent. is why it's Excellent exciting. Yes. Yeah. Most Wanted is one of, the, one of the biggest welcome surprises of new canon, mm-hmm. I think. And so I'm really excited to see what she'll do with the actual novelization. I think she did so mm-hmm. well with Most Wanted, just this ancillary material. I think she would have knocked it out of the park if she had written the, like, the solo novelization mm-hmm. itself yeah, as well. Totally. So I'm excited to see what she'll do. Yeah. Maybe maybe best or sec- second maybe second best young adult yeah. book. I don't know. Is that too? I don't too think bold? that's too bold. I mean, currently in the Utini Cantina Facebook it. group, if you're a member of that, we have kind of a March Madness bracket challenge of all the YA now and up, and most wanted still in contention for in the running. So that will be coming yeah, yeah. out on March third. That novelization, which I think is perfect timing. We're we're out of the movie just enough. I think it may have just gotten out of theaters, depending on um how big your theater is and then you'll be kind of starving for maybe blu-ray uh, yeah maybe is it too just, early for blu-ray? i think it's gonna hold us over they're, they're they're getting so earlier and earlier with blu-ray yeah releases, maybe digital like so march 3rd ray carson <laughs> writing the novelization for episode nine keep an eye out for that next was maybe my favorite announcement which is the second alphabet squadron book is officially released as yeah. Shadowfall, coming out <laughs> on june 30th next summer 
should we call it an accidental announcement? You think that <laughs> at first you think that the tweets you think probably. the tweets of like it being in the paperback and they were like, oh snap, we forgot that was printed there because that kind of sounds like you know. That yeah. Really so me. if you weren't following me along on Twitter with the announcements this weekend, our friend Brad Whipple over at Friends of the Forest was breaking a lot of info on his Twitter. He did a great job covering the con. And one of the things he did was pick up the Alphabet Squadron paperback, which was debuted at New York Comic Con. And in the back of it, it had, one, a full chapter of Resistance Reborn, which was a great read. But two, it had a little page that said, uh, you know, pick up the next book in the Alphabet Squadron saga, Shadowfall, in June. And he was like, wait, what? (laughs) And this hadn't been announced yet. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think the other thing that points towards it maybe being an accident was... Once they put the tweet out, didn't they say spring? Yeah, they said spring. Too, they Twitter. said like spring twenty twenty, yeah. and then it, we found out it was actually yeah. June. I think so they had. They were not. No, I think they had the official announcement ready for the panel, uh, but for because everyone at the panel got a paperback copy of Alphabet Squadron, I heard. So I think the idea was to announce it at the panel, then give everyone the paperback that had the announcement in the back. But I think they were running a lot right. of um, promotions to like win free stuff at the booth. So I think Brad did a challenge, and they just gave him the paperback as a prize, and maybe they weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, sure. so excited. I mean, based on our roundtable of this book earlier this year, you all know how much I love Alphabet Squadron, and we were pretty favorable as a whole. Oh, so yeah. very excited for that. I have I I was not like in love with Alphabet Squadron the way you guys were, but like I get warm and fuzzy inside thinking about this next book because like it's a trilogy and mm-hmm. we don't have yeah. any of those. So that that I have like a I love series books and I always love them legends. So well, and I'm one of the excited. biggest, if I remember correctly, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Corey, but one of the biggest things that you had wrong with it was like the pacing that it felt like it took yeah. a while to get everyone together and have things start to happen. So you can kind of hit the ground running with book two and exactly. book three. Yeah, he's like we already know everybody really well, and like yeah, I have an idea of the big picture and stuff. So like, yeah. I think it, I, th- I think this is like the first really gritty, you know, se- sequel book we've ever gotten like this. That just starts off with all new mm-hmm. characters. Like Aftermath was kind of like that, but it's still, I don't know. This yeah, is, this feels different. And, and, and we, <laughs> if we know anything about trilogies, it's the second book. It's gonna be real sad. <laughs> yes. So we'll look so. for that in June. Last couple things. Uh, if you're a comic book fan and you've been following the Star Wars line of comics, all of those series are coming to an end at the end of this year uh, with under the Destination Hoth banner. So basically all the books that have been going lately have taken place between episodes four and five. And now all those comics will kind of come to a head with one final issue at the end of the year. And then starting January 1st, the Star Wars main book will be relaunching with a new issue number one, so you can jump right on, and it's going to take place immediately after Empire Strikes Back. It's going to be written by Charles Soule, and some of the preview art, um, which I believe is Jesus Saiz, if I remember correctly, shows like Luke's hand falling and the lightsaber falling out of it, like right from the start. So maybe we'll find out how Maz gets the lightsaber, maybe we'll see... How Luke gets sick. a new tailor that has black clothing. Maybe we'll see him go to Tatooine and <laughs> yeah. build a new lightsaber out of Qui-Gon's crystal. Like, who knows? You know? This is my favorite time period is, like, yeah. around Empire and stuff. So I'm really jacked about this. And, like, we, we talked to that episode a couple a couple uh, back about, like, getting into mm-hmm. comics for the first time. And then they dropped this announcement. This is, like... It's a great I've time. Like, 
Yeah, perfect time to jump into comics for the first yeah. time. I've been wondering about this too because I haven't. I've been so slammed this week. I haven't really had a chance to read up on the comic news. Is what all are they re, are they relaunching? They're launching yep. Star Wars. Uh, there's Mainline, a new Vader comic else? that'll be coming out. That's like okay. Oh yeah, yep. I saw that so announcement. Him, I mean, right. him post Luke rejecting him essentially. So we get to see what that's like. Is a, is Afra officially over now? That, I think this Afra? series will be done, but they did say there's a lot more Afra to come. So I don't think they announced a date for her hmm. new book, but she's still going. Okay. So they've, they've at least announced a new Star Wars mainline and yep. a new Vader mainline. So we will be all okay. set. And Charles Soule is busy because he's got the Rise of Kylo Ren series too, which, yeah. by the way, he tweeted you should read before going to yeah, see the first the issue release. Yeah, yeah, the first issue release is that Wednesday. Yeah. So I'll be picking that up and reading wait. it 18 quadrillion times. Oh, yeah. All yes, right, absolutely. last two things here. Uh, there was a new anthology book that was announced uh, by the Clone Wars for kind of like, I think middle grade readers uh, is the idea that they're taking known Clone Wars episodes and arcs and kind of rewriting them and putting them in a book. So there's a ton of cool authors, including Zoraida Cordova, who's doing a Ventress story, and Rebecca Roanhorse, who's doing a Maul story, she tweeted. So, I mean, anything that gets us more Clone Wars, I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and that will be next August 25th. Uh, So we got a little bit um, to wait for that, but oof. Is this celebration? Is it August? Yeah, that's the weekend, I guess, isn't it? Next... So I guess it'll yeah, be get, okay. coming home from yeah, celebration, and we'll already obviously have seen season seven, so we'll be ripe for that. Sorry, I skipped one on my little outline here. I wrote it so nicely. Mm. There's a new book by George Mann, who is the author of Star Wars: Myths and mm-hmm. Fables, which you'll remember is one of my favorite dark horses from this past year. I thought it was phenomenal. Which is Star Wars Dark yeah. Legends, which is basically the spooky version of myths and fables that's going to be coming out next Halloween. Yeah. Can't I mean, we that. talked, guys, about how that format was perfect for a sequel because it was all individual stories. And yeah. it looks like I, I'm pretty sure he heard us. I, I'm sure, George, you're a listener. Awesome. Thank you for taking our advice. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly why he did it. He probably called him up after hearing us talk about it and was like, "Listen, these guys, they want a new book, so I got to do it." I'm sense. sorry. I think he must have he must have just had too much fun writing that uh Dark Wraith short story and he was like, "I just need a yes. whole book of yeah. these." Yeah. And they did re- reveal that the first story I believe in that collection will be a story about the Grand Inquisitor from Rebels in the vein of Nosferatu, which is so fun. Awesome. Yeah, that yeah, sounds can't wait. awesome. But guys, the biggest announcement, kind of bar none, yes. was the uh, uh, 100% uh-huh. surprise announcement. Like, I don't think anyone in their right mind imagined this would happen. But not Ooh. only is Thrawn's story continuing, we are getting a new trilogy of Thrawn books starting in May? Yes. <laughs> like, Where did this announcement? I, this is like I was. We were all so shocked on our Slack team when we were when these news were dropping. Like people were posting the mm-hmm. screenshots and stuff into our main channel, and like, man, what the heck? I think all of us. I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for both of you, but I think I can speak for both of you when I say our first initial reaction was kind of like, mm-hmm. really, more th- more Thrawn, but. But as soon as they, as soon as we figured it out, it's ascendancy, like the Chiss ascendancy, yep. and it's going to be Thrawn's origin story. Like, I'm like pretty freaking yep. excited now. Yep. Actually, definitely jazz for that because uh, I think our biggest issues around the all, kind of for all of us in our roundtable for Thrawn treason and stuff was some of the the interplay with Thrawn and some of the Imperials and the fact that he was a little too unbeatable. And now to have a series that all takes place before the first Thrawn book, which we all love to the time where he is young, where he is learning, and that will give us more Chiss lore, more maybe about second sight, third yeah. sight stuff, maybe hit, 
we have little to no knowledge of chess yeah. culture. Like, no, virtually none. Like this is even, this even is Wikipedia. uncharted yeah. territory. Yeah. We're, we're gonna go into the unknown totally. regions. We're gonna we're gonna Which, see Thrawn and Arlani bang. It's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's I funny. think you guys I think you guys will agree too that like some of our biggest problems with like some of the canon material has been sort of the I would call it like kind of forced like collaboration between multiple projects like and i think that i think that thrawn being so uh, so involved in the rebels tv show honestly might be hindered on a little bit as an author yeah. in his freedom to kind of create things so like this is seems like an origin story which i imagine he will have a lot more creative freedom in yes. which really yeah. gets me excited it's gonna be because, closer to his legends material because he you're yes. absolutely right he, what he was writing was budding right up to stuff that we already knew what happened from yeah from rebels yeah, and even even the first Thrawn, even just Thrawn, the canon Thrawn novel was, was. really flipping good and had oh, yeah. nothing to do with with anything. And I think it's because they let Zahn just kind of go wild. So, but yeah, I think that it'll be cool to finally get some good chess information. Maybe like we get a frame story with like where Thrawn is now. Maybe he's like telling the story of his past in a way. But I, if, if nothing else, we're gonna get a lot more of Thrawn learning. We're going to get a lot more Chiss, and I can't wait. Again, that Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. It's a trilogy. It's, named it's a, trilogy, a named so trilogy, all this, too. All this bullshit yes. we had the last one, like, is it really? I don't know. Like, it is. It's coming, yeah. and it's going to be on May 5th. It's funny, though, right? Because it's like, <clears throat> that's like talking about how the original trilogy is a trilogy. Oh, but by the way, there are like eight more films, you know? That's like, true. It's that's like, yeah, true. it was the end of the Thrawn trilogy, quote unquote, but we could just get another trilogy and then well, another dude, one I was, and then another. Zahn's going to pump I was, them out. I know. So what the Thrawn trilogy, we're going to have to clarify what we mean. When we well, say it's the, the OT, yeah, which, which stands for the original Thrawn. And then it'll be the PT, which is the prequel Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, when I, I was uh, I was on Friends of the Forest last night, which I think should be up right now um, for this week's episode with our own Meg Dowell, and we were talking about this, and we just said, you know what? What if he does his OT and he does his PT, and then he does? We don't get more Thrawn and Ezra until the sequel tr- Thrawn trilogy. That's coming like eventually. Whether it's Zahn writing it or something else, so we'll see. You know, it's coming. Well, guys, those were all the updates from New York Comic Con. Corey Charles, one thing you're most excited for out of that list. What do you got? Tross novelization. All right. Yep. I, I'm pretty I, – I told you guys I picked up my pull list from my comic store for the first time last week after my night shift, and that was so satisfying. Going to the comic store, picking up books that I've kind of been waiting for and getting emails that they've arrived. Like, I'm really excited to be a comic book fan. Like, finally, to have a good store I can go to and pick things up. So I'm kind of excited about getting into comics awesome. for the first time. Uh, yeah. And for me, it's, it's the Elephant Squadron. Shadowfall. Can't wait. It's going to be flipping sweet. All right, before we take a break and get back into Black Spire, I want to throw it to you, Corey, just for a hot second, because we got a few more Utini collections this week. Uh, Tell some folks about it. Yeah, so we have a bunch of new collections come up on the site. I sent up an email. I think that email went out either today or yesterday. I can't remember. Um, either Monday or Tuesday of this week, kind of showing the last month. We're going to try to do these monthly recap emails where it shows you all the books that came out that month, uh, some of the big collections we've added. And we had so many collections added to the site uh, the previous month that I couldn't even include them all. I was just like, all right, I'm going to limit it to yeah. three. I can't put like 20 of them in there. But check out the collections page we have. We've been talking a lot about it lately, but 
Um, some new cool ones were put up recently. We have a Princess Leo that's been in a it's been a coming soon for like <laughs> six months on the site. We finally got that one done. There's a Pilots uh, collection and a Charles. You put together sort of a Halloween slash horror collection, which is pretty neat. We don't want to. I don't want to be too obnoxious about plugging Patreon on the show uh, too terribly much. But one of the things we're putting together for our Patreon is sort of an extra bonus show with some of the extra team members we have at Utini. And if I understand correctly, they did their first episode on what book was it? Was it? It was on two. It was on Death Troopers and Red Harvest. Yes, which are both are in your collection. Um, they are. Yeah, they're two of the kind of crossover star wars and horror type stories so yeah the the collection is just if you like horror but it you know is the perfect time of year it's why we launched it now so check it out if you're in that october halloween mood and if you just love it like freddie who was on that um extra episode he's a big horror fan big star wars fan and you can check it out any time of the year yep absolutely all right last thing before we go Corey, do you want to give one one last tease of something that might be coming pretty soon. <laughs> we we are getting really really close to launching mm-hmm. video. I got a webcam. Guys. Like so, That's if you would rather behind the scenes, Eric, I have yes. a I have a webcam. Eric's, I, I now Eric's know what face. you look like. <laughs> That's right. Eric's face is no longer a blurry. Two thousand seven. Like, Two thousand five. <laughs> yes, like a flip phone quality. Now he actually looks like a person behind a webcam, which is great. Um, he's that's what it is. Yeah. It would be, but I can tolerate <laughs> that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're getting really close, guys. It's coming out probably middle of the month of October is kind of our our loose plan. So you know, if you don't want to watch, if you don't watch our ugly mugs uh, as we record, we're probably going to try to live stream stuff. We'll see how that goes. Um, you can always continue to listen via audio. We will absolutely be continuing to edit and post these just like we always have been. But if you want to see our ugly faces, then you're welcome to join. All right, well, I need to take a break from your two ugly faces for a bit. So let's hear from a UTD member, and then we'll jump right back in to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Black Spider. Be right back. Hi, this is Jared Mays coming to you with a Star Wars comics recommendation, and that's Lando by Charles Sewell with art by Alex Maleev. It debuted in 2015, and it takes place before we meet Lando in The Empire Strikes Back. At the time, the only story centered around Lando were the Neil L. Smith books from the 80s which I think we can say were certainly some of the weirder Star Wars books. But this story is the seminal Lando story. It's also the Lobot story you didn't know you needed. Sewell wove together an incredible cast of both new and familiar characters. At its core, it's a heist story, but it's also very personal, perfectly spooky. It's got romance. It's got rogues. It's got betrayal. It's got bounty hunters. It's also got smugglers, and it's also about Sith. It'll surprise you, delight you, and maybe even break your heart. What more do you need? You can order it on utini.com, and may the force be with you. And we're back. That was fine. Charles, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to jump back into Star Wars. in a hurry, is he? You weren't ready. I'm sorry, whoever did that cameo, it was just as good as anyone else has ever done. Don't be fooled by that. (laughs) Probably, maybe. Um, Yeah, so let's jump right back into part two of our Black Spire Roundtable. So if you have not heard part one, then you should probably go listen to that first. But we had just jumped into our basically overarching questions Mm -hmm. section. And we had just covered kind of a two as a planet. And now I want to talk about... Archex as a character. So 
Both of you all have read Phasma, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I have not read Phasma. So I actually read this book, which is kind of a sequel, before ever reading that book. Um, and so trilogy. I, I need to... What's that? Part two of the trilogy. Part two, probably, honestly. maybe. Probably, maybe. Um, yeah, so I want to hear your views then on whether or not it was difficult to accept Archex in the role that he played in this novel after seeing him do some what I've heard are pretty awful things in Phasma with torturing Vi um, in, in basically anything that he may have done in that novel. Was it difficult to accept him as a hero? I don't think so in a way um, because mm-hmm. of the way Phasma ends. He's yeah. He, he's by no means a hero at the end of Phasma, don't get me wrong, but he is beaten down. He is questioning organically throughout the book, which I think is one of Delilah Dawson's yeah. strengths is that her characters evolve at a very natural pace, so it never seems rushed. And I think even in this book, too, he had a very natural character evolution. So if he had been like, you know, they picked him up off of uh, Syria or, or uh, the Syrian planet, wherever he was. <laughs> Syria, you know, wherever he was. Um, and he had been like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go set up the base. I am in the resistance. I would have been like, okay, that's bad. But... Thalia Dawson's good at yes. writing, so I, like I really did find him relatable, and I think that his struggle with fighting against his programming consistently throughout the book really helped that along. Yeah, I think it was definitely sort of a case of, like, there's good in him, uh-huh. like, and it's it's kind of apparent throughout the book, like, even, even with his active torture, like, I don't know, Vi was tortured, but, like... Not like don't Game say of not Thrones. that bad. Not that torture. <laughs> not like Game of Thrones torture. I mean, it was torture, but like it was, it was, it was, it was very PG rated. I think in you know she PG-13 got food and water. In, you know, in, in, <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I think I think honestly, uh, Cardinal had a he had a droid with him that was sort of like encouraging him and helping keep Vi alive and stuff. And honestly, I think the droid was kind of more brutal than cardinal mm-hmm. was i would argue because i don't know but no i thought it i thought it felt pretty natural seeing his like i like that he didn't like eric said like he didn't just come in right out the gate like super gung-ho about the resistance like, he was really questioning this entire book and yeah i thought that was done really well yeah okay that's that's great to hear i whenever i read you know they kept referencing things that had happened in phasma and at first, I was wondering if it was going to hurt me for having not read that book, but it really didn't, I don't cool, think. I mean, yeah. this, this is a self-contained mm-hmm. story, and they do yeah. enough explaining in it for you to pick up all the important bits. I still want to go back and read Phasma, yeah. um, and I'll get there. Yeah, Phasma is very good. It's kind of like one of those, I think, hidden gems in, in canon. It's a massive yeah. book, too. Phasma is, is a big, fat like hardback. Yeah, I don't it, even have really it on good. my yeah, I think that's one of the things yeah. about Phasma too is that it doesn't really have ramifications in the EU. Like you you get to learn stuff about the Phasma character and now of course you get to meet Vi and Cardinal which wasn't a big deal until this book. But at the same time mm-hmm. I I was interested in what that would be like not having read Phasma. So Charles, I'm glad to hear that from from your perspective as someone who like is very aware of this universe, but still hadn't read the book. I think that a lot of people were nervous about that. So yeah. if you're if you are listening yeah. to this, and again, you don't care about the spoilers, and you just kind of want to hear us talk about it before you read it, and you haven't read Phasma, you're gonna be fine. Yeah, totally. There's some cool, really minor details. I don't think this is really a spoiler, so I'll, I'll share it if you're afraid of 
spoilers, then obviously you shouldn't probably be listening to this episode. But um, like minor ish, minor spoiler in Phasma, like her armor is made of like like the ship armor, like from the Naboo yeah. Starfighters, from Padme's ship, like that, that class yeah. of ship that yeah, that that like chrome armor. That's what her armor is made of, which is oh, why wow. it's so. I didn't know that. So, yeah, it's why it's so reflective of like blaster bolts and stuff, and it's why it's chrome and shiny. It's made of the ship armor that they make. Yeah, the she peels it off this ship, and they of. find this this like uh, essentially like three D printer esque thing that makes armor, and then she just feeds it in and makes her own armor. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sick. That's like, awesome. It's, it's, yeah, there's some really good stuff, and I don't know, man. Phasma's whole origin story. Yeah, is pretty and you get a lot good. of good Hux like, stuff in there too. Like if you think Hux is just kind of like a yeah. whiny little bitch, then. Read yeah. Hux in the EU is pretty brutal. Yeah, he's cool, man. Like, I don't know. Phasma's really good. I don't know. We've, we don't ever really talk about Phasma. No one ever really talks about Phasma, but I thought Phasma was a very, yeah. very good read. And, and yeah, man, Charles, you know, you can sure. go pick it up on utini.com right now. If you go search for its official book profile, you click the Amazon link, then we get a couple bucks cents. So, uh, oh, yeah, no way. That's how, I'll, I'll tell okay. you more about it at the All end right. of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, all self-promotion aside i really do plan on picking that book up so yeah um and you know speaking maybe, maybe like next year after we have read all these <laughs> I other know, I know. hundreds of incredible books that are coming out i know i will get there um but speaking of kind of our Texas transformation because it wasn't an easy transformation that we saw in this book and several other characters also shared some very I'm sorry i'm i'm laughing at Corey now can you pop that beer bro did you get it all right good i'm proud of you for it not being a natty light it was the face where you're like don't even cut that out just leave it in just Just leave leave it in matt um yeah so i mean a lot of characters had difficult transformations in this book and there was really a focus on the mental and psychological aspects of being involved in Mm-hmm. conflict in this book and that's something that we don't really see a lot about it's something that really struck me and it's actually something that delilah dawson commented on when she was here on the show so if you've listened to that interview you're familiar with the fact that this was intentional but really look back and think about this guys since a new hope way back when we've seen star wars characters suffer immensely right yeah. but when you take a step back we don't really see them coping uh-huh. with that all that much. Like Leia literally watches her home world just get blown into a million pieces. And the next scene, she's more or less okay. Uh-huh. I mean, Luke spends one scene with a blanket wrapped around him because he watched Obi-Wan get struck down. But then he's more or less okay. I mean, but that's not really all that realistic. And it's fine within the movies because there's not time to really dive into that but we got that a lot in this book so how did that strike you guys what did it mean to see that really be addressed i thought it was super important yeah and that's one of the best things about the eu that you get to see uh, a lot because there's just time there's time and pages and paragraphs in which you have the room to sort of tell those stories and that's what makes the eu so rich i think to a lot of us is just that we have a lot of that behind the scenes sort of emotional turmoil that's why the revenge of the sith novelization is so damn good is because it's just capture it captures that that raw emotion better than film does is because you have the pages to tell yeah and i think that you know culturally i think we're also going towards uh a place where trauma and you know uh especially with, with things like mental health and wellness are kind of being taken a lot more seriously than previously so 
the literature seems to be following that a little bit. You know, like Delilah Dawson is acknowledging that we're not in these, you know, 70s, 80s Rambo, like Schwarzenegger, oh, I'm just going to kill a bunch of people and I'll be fine. Like, yeah. to take a life takes a lot out of you. And to be hurt physically and mentally will take time to resolve. And I think that a lot of people that have maybe either gone through events like that or know people that have are going to find this book very relatable and probably hard in a lot of ways. But I think that Delilah Dawson was very respectful of the power that has in this book. You know, talk about real life a little bit, Charles, I'm sure you can relate to this as well. It's very reflective of the culture we live in right now. Like there's much more of a push in medicine, you know, to, to get people into therapy rather than just throwing drugs. I mean, my wife is a, is a family counselor. Like she's a therapist, like in the real world. So like, uh, there's just a much there's a much more valuation of sort of mental health and like dealing with psychological trauma I think right now than there probably really ever has been and we're actually throwing money and resources at that to get people into counseling and stuff so it's it feels refreshing to me a little bit to see it in 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 Star Wars yeah. even of all things because like it's it's a very real raw human emotion people relate to it and it's it's rich and it, it's good storytelling yeah I think that it's really important to normalize a lot of this and I'm not going to like get up on, you know, my bully pulpit here, but like, you know, seeing it reflected in our favorite stories is very important in real life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and Delilah Dawson actually did a wonderful job and this is coming from someone who, yeah, I haven't been a doctor that long, but we see a lot of this in family medicine. And Corey, you can attest this as well, but a lot of, of behavioral medicine or a lot of behavioral health or, or, you know, psych, however you want to refer to it. We see a ton of it every day. And she actually represented it very accurately, I felt like, at, at least the post-traumatic type picture, which most of the characters were going through in one way or another. And I think it was really right. important. So big props to her for doing yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I really liked the way she tackled, in addition to the post-traumatic stress disorder stuff, like um, the anxiety that a lot of them had, like especially Creaky, right? Like the performance anxiety. Yeah. We touched a li- yeah. little bit on that last episode. But the idea that she lives with anxiety and it it halts her from doing her job and things like that, like it's all those little touches were really were really well placed. They didn't take over the story because I think that could have easily been glaring. Yeah. But again, it just mm-hmm. yeah, this wasn't this wasn't no, Star Wars no, mental it just, health. No, no, it was people <laughs> that were going through things, and I mean that's why Delilah Dawson's one of the best. Yes. She's very good at, at, at telling. I mean, she talked a lot about that in the episode. I know we keep plugging it, but go back and listen to it. That was my favorite part of, of that entire yeah. episode is she talks about not making her characters black and white. I mean, she makes them very fluid, mm-hmm. and that's how people actually are. Yep. That's why she's a good writer. And I think sometimes we can we can read a book or watch a movie or whatever it is, hear a story more or less, and we can not really think about the full impact that certain things have or would have on the characters in real life, right? Like I mentioned Leia and Alderaan and all these things, but even within this book, right? Like Vimerati was tortured, Mm -hmm. okay? And now she is hanging out in a cave all alone with the guy who did this to her. Like Dolan had to leave the only home he's ever known and his family, and basically he was excommunicated by his family, by his grandmother, to join this resistance, uh, we had Zade, whose best friend was murdered in front of his eyes. I mean, these are these yeah. are very, very impactful, traumatic type things. Sure. And it seems almost like, oh, but of course we would talk about how these characters were affected by them. But that's not that no. common. So I think it's, it's right. I know I'm just saying the same thing again, but I really want to stress this point. Like it was it was done amazingly Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. And one True. quote I thought that was really great in particular that I just wanted to drop in y'all was actually really early on on page 14. And I think it was the resistance doctor 
who actually said this. It was, I can heal bones, but I can't heal souls. You have to do that yourself. Yep. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. It, I it that. beautifully set the stage for what was going to be addressed later on. Yeah, so, speaking speak, speaking of things that we should address, can we talk about the the fact for a second that Princess Leia just dumped Vi into her tortures? Like, like her assignment is to babysit yeah. her torture. What the hell was up Let's with that? Talk about that. That bothered the crap out of me. As soon as it happened initially, I was like, "Wow, this is really glossed over." Like, yeah, you know, I think the point of that, which I agree, probably probably bad decision right like or not that much foresight went into that decision but i think what it really shows is how bad the resistance is hurting at this point in time how few personnel there really are that this was maybe a necessity just from a resource standpoint i think there's a point of that i think there may be also again all conjecture there may also be an idea of Leia seeing Vi be so eager for new missions, right? Like, she, she, at the beginning of the book, she's chomping at the bit. She wants, like, dangerous missions, especially. She wants to go on Star Destroyers. She wants to just do all this stuff. And maybe she has kind of a secret death wish at this point. And I, maybe Leia realizes mm-hmm. that the only way she can actually get out of this behavior is to kind of confront what she went through head on. Right. And, it ha- and the only way that can happen is by seeing cardinal again and 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 by facing archex and seeing him as a person because if he can become a person then maybe she can become a person again at the same time Hmm. it's maybe leia's a genius and not a jackass (laughs) that could be a genius or jackass leia or (laughs) gonna there's another shirt (laughs) (laughs) well you bring up a, a great point and you were talking again about or eric you mentioned this about Archex, you know, seeing that he could become a person again. And I might be going off the deep end here with my next question, but I couldn't help but start thinking about masks mm-hmm. when I was reading this book. And it was because of Cardinal, aka Archex, but, you know, I really kind of let my mind run with it and I started thinking about all of Star Wars. And I couldn't help but think about the role that masks play, particularly in the Star Wars saga, and, and what kind of an impact that had on this mm. story. And what I mean by that is I feel like masks have kind of two roles, two big roles within Star Wars. The first is people are essentially hiding themselves from the outside world, which is, of course, what a mask is really for. But the second is that I feel like they might be hiding their own actions from themselves. We always see evil in a mask in in these stories, or at least typically, right? I mean, even Palpatine and, in the prequel trilogy, as Sidious, the hood is always covering at least the eyes. Yeah. So there's always... Yeah, yeah. 100%. Mask, yeah. 100%. And so, yeah, there are practical purposes, right? Like like you're saying, Sidious didn't want it, the world to know or anyone to know, really, that he was also the Supreme Chancellor. Mm-hmm. But I think they also do have a psychological yeah. impact in that the wearer of the mask is probably aware that what they're doing is evil. I, I'm thinking about Kylo Ren mm-hmm. a lot when I'm talking about this. Um, And so they kind of dissociate themselves, right? Like Kylo Ren became Kylo Ren, even though he's Ben Solo, right? They dissociate these evil actions from Mm -hmm. themselves. And, you know, Anakin didn't do those bad things. Vader did Mm -hmm. those things, right? Archex didn't torture Vi. You know, that was cardinal. And we actually saw that said in this book. I think Vi thought that exact thought. Like, oh, that was Cardinal. That wasn't Archex. So I know I just threw a lot at you guys, and this I might just be off my rocker, but, like, what what do you think about what I'm throwing out there? 
I think it makes sense, man. I think that there, there's a lot of excusing horrific actions by people in Star Wars, frankly. I mean, I think that the people whose faces are exposed are kind of thought as even, like, most evil. Because, like, you know, when Hux destroys Hosnian, he's looking into it barefaced, and that's, like, it's chilling. Whereas Kylo Ren has his mask mm-hmm. on. You know, so, like, he can't quite look at it with his eyes, but Hux can. I think that says a lot. I think that in the Clone Wars, especially in the series, as we get to know the clones more, the ones that have their helmets off more are are the ones that we really, you know, connect with and that start to be open with each other. And, and only when they're safe and secure do they take the helmets off to really be vulnerable. And I think that there is a huge distinction between who you are with the mask on and who you are without it. And, I mean... You, you're totally right, though, Charles. I think Kylo is the biggest example of that, especially in the sequel trilogy. Going from Episode 7, having it on most of the time, to Episode 8, destroying it, to now what we're seeing in Episode 9, having it being, you know, reformed, essentially. Is is that his last attempt to harness himself? Is that his last attempt to, to put this mask on because he's afraid Ben Solo will come out, you know? Um, and I think Cardinal... Yeah. Uh, did that pretty perfectly. Yet, at the end, you know, redonning the armor was an interesting choice because then he flips the narrative. Because Archex comes out of the armor even though yeah. he's wearing it. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something you said, Charles, that stood out to me is you said the mask often hides the evil. I, I think something interesting in Star Wars, too, is we often see the reverse of that, too. And the, and the mask coming off is also a very symbolic kind of you're taking the evil away. Like, you know, I'm thinking back to Return of the Jedi. They take Darth Vader's helmet off for the first time, and Luke looks into his father's eyes. And that's very symbolic of, like, you know, this is, this is you know, shedding this evil his evil helmet shedding his evil that he's had like and is the good is underneath and we see that a lot too which Kylo Ren is again an excellent example of that because I mean I'm kind of on the Ben Dimson train a little bit like I think he's going to be redeemed in some way so maybe the mask is covering the evil somehow so it was very apparent in this book too and I thought that was a great a great little scene right at the end that you referenced there Eric about like there's a scene at the very end of the book if you haven't read it where um, Archex like shows up into the big climactic battle and he's wearing his armor again and then he mm-hmm. takes his helmet off and it's like it's yeah. him underneath and now he's on the good the good guy's side right he's not he's not with the first order anymore even though he's wearing the first order armor and it's very symbolic of him casting away yeah. this past life he had so I think it's interesting another thing that you just made me think of Corey is taking off that mask and seeing the person underneath I think is also kind of a lesson in and of itself too right because we as an audience we look at Vader and probably you know when people first saw episode four they could even have thought of him as like a machine right like as as a droid but I think it's it's important to actually see the face under the mask think about how impactful it was to actually see Phasma's eye when her mask was broken right that's another great example like it 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 lets you remember that there is there is humanity here. Like this is another yeah. person who has made these decisions, and there's something inherently very disturbing about that. But also something that we can understand even just from looking at the world yeah. around us. And I mean, and not to, to yeah. belabor the point even further, because I agree with everything you're saying. But then you get the the Anakin Ahsoka moment in Rebels. I mean, that yes. mass yeah. shedding Absolutely. and and seeing the two of them yeah. literally in audio form with James Earl Jones and Matt Lanter, like combining vocal tracks yeah. to 
kind of show yeah, that. So totally, man. Uh, I feel like this just turned into like a Sky Talkers episode. <laughs> exactly. Where I was we're, about to we're say about Matt. Sky Talkers. If you guys have never listened to Sky Talkers, they often pick themes and really break things down. And this sounds like like you hear the themes sometimes. At least I do. And I'm like, how is this going to be a two hour episode? Like I don't get this at all. But then it's like super deep analysis, yeah. and it always blows me away. Those those girls are really bright over there. But yeah, I think masks are super important in Star Wars, and it's a very symbolic of a lot of stuff that that continues to happen in in everything that we see. So. It's it's done really well in this book too. Okay, well, I'm I'm glad to know that that was not just a crazy no, late we night got you. rant that I had, <laughs> but it it makes sense. Okay, well, moving on from that, I I want to spend a little bit of time. We talked about a lot of the main characters in this book. I want to talk about some of the background characters that really stood out to me, and in particular, I'm talking about savvy scrappers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the yeah. people that Vi worked with for at least a portion of this novel. And the reason they stood out to me is they had a shocking amount of insight into the force. And I have a whole bunch of evidence here. I I took notes and I didn't include this in y'all's handout, but I can bring them up as we go. I mean, it was, it was jarring. I was like, how did these people who are the blue collar workers Mm -hmm. on this world that they repeatedly tell me is not important (laughs) and is out on the edge of the universe. How do they have this intimate knowledge of the force? And why do you think that they did? And regardless of your reason, do you think that that was believable by Star Wars standards? Yeah, man. I well, doesn't Sav or not Sav? Is it Elena? Who's her, who's her best friend? Elena, Elena is Elena. yeah. That's not right. Was Vi's good yeah Elena friend. yeah like the head yeah. Scrapper. She mentions that Savi like uh, season people have the aura about them, right? There's something about that, like he. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we trust people. And I think that there's something with the way the force works that maybe there's a lot of people that have gotten rejected from working at Savi's that don't have this force aura around them. And, you yeah. know, maybe mm. just by listening to the force and bringing people in, like Savi is being kind of like very Jedi there. He's just listening to the will of the force and obeying yeah, it. it. So maybe that's just gathering mm-hmm. those people naturally. Maybe maybe Savi is like a secret follower of uh of the religion. Um like that the guy at the beginning of uh the, the beginning of Force Awakens. Oh, uh, Lord Santeca. The yeah, well he, they're the friends, Magilus. aren't they? Lord, well, yeah, he was yeah. friends with Lord Santeca. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So maybe maybe totally. Savi is a follower the, the of like the, what do they the call it? It's like the yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it's some kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of religion, kind of. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I really religion is the right word for that. Because they're followers of the religion. Because the Jedi is technically a religion. But, but yeah, like Luke, Luke literally yeah, calls it a religion true. in eight. Luke calls so it the Jedi So I think that they're probably just followers yeah. of the religion that can't tap into force powers, but they still acknowledge what it is. Yeah, yeah, how it's all connected and stuff. And so I don't know. I did it. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but did it like totally? It didn't like actually totally reveal like Savi's motives in that. No, no not really. It, like it didn't. It didn't. But okay. there were some interesting quotes. So you brought it up. Let me just read you guys three quotes that I have. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first one was on page 84, um, and I'm actually not going to quote it, but essentially Alina mentions that looking that they're looking for holocrons in the scrapyard. Yeah. So, like, do, does the average person, especially on the edge of, of known space, know no. about holocrons? No, and like, no way. Savi but does Savi and does, does, and that's what's interesting to me. Because sure. I think yes. you Savi live, and yeah, like one of right. the three shops on the planet is is an ancient antiquities shop, so maybe... yes. 
trading force artifacts is not a new concept. In fact, in the Bane trilogy, which I finished not that long ago in the audiobook form, like do you guys oh, remember right. that in the Bane trilogy when Darth Bane is like he's like collecting secretly collecting all these Sith artifacts yeah. and stuff, and there's yeah. a huge underworld like culture trading of like. Like so, he he approach he pretends to not be a Sith. Obviously, he approaches the whole like black market of these goods. Like he's just like a super interested weirdo like collector right, right. of this stuff, yeah. right? So that's not a new concept. It's like there's this underworld culture, and, of and this, then that so. uh, we have both the the gangs in aftermath that are getting lightsabers and stuff, and then in the interludes, and then we have yeah. that mm-hmm. um oh, I forgot the, her name the the master in Dooku Jedi Lost. Kastana, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Kastana. So, Kastana. Yeah. yeah, I think it's probably a continuation of that, and okay. maybe this is kind of a, right. a secret hub for that stuff. Okay, yeah, well, here... There's... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, here, here's my next... This one is probably what struck me mm-hmm. the most. was on page 177, when Vi finds kyber crystals literally in a water canteen. <laughs> okay, so, Matt, prepare the droid, because why the f- <laughs> Are kyber, kyber crystals in a canteen on Batu? Like I, I th- it's not even like this is like a scrapyard on Coruscant, and they found their way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yes. the the only people yes. that go to Batu are these like smugglers and traders, and they're not tossing right. kyber crystals in a canteen and then tossing it in the scrapyard. Like how did right. how no, it's, how it doesn't it's it's implied in a lot of ways. I think that they're not like sorting junk to make a profit. And then to you know casually, like on the side, find a bunch of Jedi artifacts. Like it's phrased the opposite. It's phrased like and set up as if the whole point of Savi's scrapyard is to find Jedi artifacts, yeah, and then make some money on the side of that, yeah. And like that's a great question. How the hell are there so many Jedi artifacts? Like they find robes in this book. They find like they find the don't they find like a chest full of like Jedi robes? Well, yeah. I mean, right? yeah, there's also like how many of them working for eight nine hours a day continuously. So I think you know laws. <coughs> yeah, but this this know, is like think tat- about this where is this like is Tatooine though. Totally. This is like well, this is the desert in Mos Eisley. Is, is there anything to you know? You mentioned kyber crystals being in a canteen, right? Is there anything to people like Loris Anteca and people that are essentially? followers of the jedi religion or at least believe the stories of the jedi as the empire was crushing it all down that would try to like hide stuff like in nazi germany a lot of you know jewish people would hide their jewelry in yeah. like random places so one of those kind of an inspiration mm-hmm. of like the empire is coming to our planet i'm we can't destroy this stuff so i'm gonna hide yeah. it in in a thing and like put it on a freighter yeah. so that at least it'll live and, on and maybe maybe savi is kind of like a funnel too like maybe all Ooh, like of his connections fence. like it's kind of like yes like he's all of his connections are constantly trying to send him mm-hmm. junk you know that happens to have a bunch of jedi stuff in it so like maybe that's the purpose of so that's yeah. what the side business kind of is he's sort of a central central player a little Ooh. bit in that like, yeah like i'm gonna realm. go to a jedi temple and maybe i'll yeah. find something but in order to get it off planet i have to put it in a canteen or i have to smuggle it in something else so it'll eventually it'll get to batu yeah. maybe so but i have to get it through imperial space or even new republic something space frankly that, something of that know. nature okay yeah. so the last quote that i want to bring up or the last you know point in the book was from page 282 and it really stood out to me because it was the gatherers themselves which is what these scrappers were called they really seemed to feel like they have a role to play in in how everything is unfolding in the galaxy as well and there's a quote that says 
I strongly feel that we are meant to play a greater role in this conflict between the Resistance and the First Order. Why else do we collect the artifacts and ancient weapons? Why else do we learn all that we can from the legacy of the Jedi and Sith, if not to use it as they would, to protect the balance? So it's interesting for a lot of reasons, right? But not the least of which they're referencing literally the balance of the Force, which has been such an idea in the sequel trilogy. I just find it very interesting that it's coming from the Gatherers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, maybe there's there's something to, you know, being around someone like Savi even kind yeah. of affects the way you think. And also being around objects that are imbued with that type of power all day or, you know, that, that you are you are actually seeing evidence of this, you know, every other day, once a week, whatever it may be. At, at some point, it's got to yeah. stick, right? I suppose so. It must have because look at what we're seeing. And kind of to piggyback off of that i thought it was really interesting not just the gatherers not just the scrappers but just normal people on batu they were saying may the force be with you yeah, like just normal that. folk right like yeah i why do they know that phrase they're not even members of the church of the force maybe they are maybe maybe maybe, maybe savi are. is like a like a, a an underworld cult leader and there's like a giant church following on batu i, I mean know, just, i think I there's definitely there could be underground groups and tales i mean it's it's myths and fables man it's it's these people have been telling yeah. these bedtime stories on batu and you know maybe every once in a while you just that phrase gets littered into this story and then this this kid children's story and then oh wait but wasn't that found on that piece of flimsy or whatever we found like I think they could piece it together, and then it becomes kind of a legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think that's the only plausible explanation. It is kind of odd. I thought so, too, that it was kind of weird that both what you said earlier about all this junk and random Jedi artifacts ending up on Batu, and then that they all know the phrase. It's definitely weird. I thought it was definitely yeah. weird. I'm going to go, I'm gonna have to yeah, go to I mean, Disney early World on, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that May the Spires Keep You was kind of going to be the local version of May the Force Be With You, but they started using yeah. that too, so I thought that was interesting. All right, so I want to talk about a couple of more big ideas before we jump into the Easter eggs and all of that kind of stuff, and I want to give us a little bit more time for those so that y'all can comment on them a bit more than maybe we have in the past, but let's talk about Archex's sacrifice, because it was really what this entire book was leading up to. So if you are listening to this and you haven't read the book, just to clue you in, Archex essentially gives himself up to save the rest of the members of his little resistance band. He allows himself to be captured by Kath and the rest of the First Order, and he gets on their ship knowing that it is going to explode and knowing that he is going to die. So what did you two think of Archex's sacrifice? Did you feel like it was necessary for him to get on that ship, or was it purely for Vi and the resistance or was he also using it as an opportunity to escape from a life that he didn't want to live anymore what are your thoughts on all of that i think it's the perfect end to his character arc honestly i think that i don't think there's an element of you know oh i get to get away from the resistance at the last second like i i think that that um would kind of cheapen it in a way i think that there's definitely the I know what I have to do, and there's kind of a zen peace, because this whole book is kind of about getting peace at a certain point for him, I think, and, like, kind of, you know, you've done so many horrors in your life, how do you reconcile that? How do you get back to even, as it were, and kind of just be at peace with mm-hmm. your own self? 
And I think that's eventually where he got to. And I think that Vi recognized that pretty instantly. So I think that's basically how she gets to do it, you know, is real. I think that's why she didn't try to stop or make a scene because that's basically how it goes. Yeah, I, I I thought that the the like Cardinals in was was pretty fitting. It didn't feel forced to me at all either. Like I mean, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like it was an entirely planned no. sort of thing. Like it felt like a it felt like a this is like I didn't feel like he showed up to that battle knowing he was going to have to do this. Like it really felt like the opportunity presented himself for him to save his friends and sure. he took it yeah. and it worked out nicely. I agree with that. Did and y'all don't have to go in depth on this, but did you feel though that he wanted to die? Because I I got that impression personally. Maybe a little bit. I mean, he definitely just did not feel like his purpose was ever truly with huh. the resistance. I don't think. Like, or if if or maybe if he if he thought, I don't know. He seemed just his entire world just got turned upside down. He realized sure. he was on the wrong side. I mean, and it was just as clear as that. And he wasn't as useful to the resistance as he was with. The first order, because everything he's been trained to know and love is just yeah. different. I guess, I, guess I, I yeah. feel like in a way it was a little bit like Luke. You know, it's like there wasn't sadness or fear. There was just peace and purpose. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, yeah. I don't think Luke went into the end of episode eight like this is gonna be it for me, like intentionally necessarily. But when it happened, it was like, yep, I did it. I saved everyone, and now this is my next chapter. So I think that's kind of that's kind of how I saw it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a very good way to put yeah, it. That makes sense. Um, all right. Well, moving on from that, we essentially learned that Archex's sacrifice meant that the First Order was supposedly ousted from Batu. They were not going to have a presence there anymore. But in the epilogue, we find that actually they're coming back stronger than ever because Wolfgar Kath is being replaced with none other than Kylo Ren. Which yeah. is why he's present yes. in the park when you go to to visit Galaxy's Edge. You know that's the time period that you're visiting during is after the events of this book. Um, how do you guys feel about Kylo Ren coming to Batu, and do you think we'll ever get that story, or is that something that's just going to play out in the park? We've we've talked a lot about like sort of our initial reactions. We found out that this book was a Galaxy's Edge labeled book, yeah. and. Like there were a few subtle moments where I was like, "All right, this is this is park advertising." And to me, I don't know how you feel, Eric, but this this is the only place in this entire book where I was just like, "This is like a blatant park advertisement." Like I to me, it felt like agree. it. Agree. And I didn't want the thing is like I yes. usually like the epilogues are so good most of the time. Like they they really make you want to go to the next book. And this is the only time where I was like. Oh, I was just kind of dealing with the the emotional end of this book. So I think it ended yeah. really strong. There's a lot of purpose in it, and then it's like, yeah, nah, it didn't really matter anyway. Kylo's coming, and I'm like, well, shit. Like I, right? It's very eye rolling. Yeah, and, and I guess I didn't. To me. I don't even know if I necessarily went to. Oh, this is because of he needs to be in the park. But again, but that to- that but that totally I mean, doesn't. I didn't make go sense. to that. If- Right, yeah. isn't there? What's the ride called? Like Rise yeah. of the Resistance, or yeah, something? Yeah, Rise right? of the Resistance. What's it, what's it yeah, called? is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. So this feels like like what you you ever been in like a Universal Studios or something where like you ride a ride and it's kind of yeah, like a video and then it pops you, you watch, in, yeah. like gets you in the mood and and set the theme up and everything. It's like you know, here's the Hulk and all this stuff, and now you ride the ride and it fits the theme. You yeah, know, kind of like I that was, kind of thing. Like uh, yeah. This played in my head like that. Yeah. Like this is like this is the setup right before. This is the video that you see right before you get on the ride yeah. of like, 
it was just so cliche. Like it was like, who is she talking to? Like she's talking to somebody in the resistance. Yeah, it was really I didn't rushed. Love it. it was just I... like, yeah, yep. not a Wish fan. I would. My, 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 my first like real open criticism of this book is that felt kind of dumb and forced. I mean, to me, it actually, it struck me less. I'm, I'm interested to hear y'all say that it struck me less than reading the names of food and drink that you can literally order in the park. <laughs> like it yes. felt less egregious to me than that. Yes, yes um, that's true. And, that's and true. I don't there, think I, I guess... just to be clear, I don't think that the epilogue, even if you did take it as a park advertisement straight up, like it didn't take away from how good the rest of the book was. Uh, Mm, I don't I, know. I don't it think. did. It did. It did to me a little bit. Okay. I mean, just because it, just because it felt so, it, it made it seem like everything was unimportant. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so she is. So Vi has just now gotten some like following going. They have a couple right, X wings, right. I think, now and right. And, like, yeah. there's like a, a small little base on Batu, and then she gets this hurried message from maybe Poe. I, I mean, who, the, who did you guys think it was? Maybe. You know, it was I don't remember. Maybe Poe is just like, hey, hey, you better get out of there. Kylo Ren's on his way. And then she goes outside and she sees him coming down like, she's screwed. There's a Star Destroyer. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> like, there's no way they're going to get out of that. Like, she yeah, seems so it, screwed. It honestly so, made me, usually the epilogue, like, in other books will make me just really close the cover and be like, oh, man. That was a lot. As but, me- Melancholy. Yeah. Like, you feel This one I was like, inside. well, the book is still like, good. Oh, wow. Like, I, I closed it without really feeling yeah, anything, yeah. which was weird. Well, it's, I think it's interesting because they can't really progress the story if they leave the situation the same in the park, right? Yes, and, exactly. And if you go there, you want to see Kylo Ren. You want to see Rey, actually. Rey is there, so we know yeah. that Rey has to make her way to Batu at Here, some point. Here's my most controversial um, opinion on this, maybe. I don't give a shit about the canon of the park, okay? I... Like here's I, the thing. I appreciate I what they're trying to do, no. but I feel like we're working too hard to make sure that the cannon nuts are like, well, why is the Falcon here when he-? like, who gives a shit about that part? I'm sorry, no, I don't yeah. care. Because you can walk I, in there and get on no, the Falcon, and that's no, which amazing. Which is perfect. That's what, yes, which that's is why. perfect. I explain. I explain this all the time. Somebody asked me today. I shit you not. This happened. One of my one of my coworkers today asked me. We had some spare time. They're like, "What do you think about the whole uh, hyperspace scene in the Last Jedi?" I'm sure you guys all get these questions all the flipping time about yeah. random controversies yep, in today. the Last Jedi. Okay, so like, yes, yeah. exactly. We talked about this earlier. So you're like, I got this question. What do you think about that scene? I'm just like. I don't give a shit. It was cool. It looked really cool, and it was really fun to watch in the theater because everybody gasped, and it was silent. That was awesome. I'm like, listen, if you are into the books and comments, you can't actually care that much about Kanan continuity because if if you've ever – even if you're all old-school legend stuff, there is no such thing as truly beautiful Kanan continuity. There's plenty of flaws everywhere, all through canon. It's like – I don't give a shit about any of that. The fact that I'm so into the expanded universe is almost yeah. proof that because you know what's not kind of canon. I'm just here for the entertainment, Batu? man. Me, like I'm yes. walking <laughs> in it, and therefore am now in <laughs> canon. So, like, that's you so know, true. I, I wish they would. So, oh based, my god, I again, I I I do applaud them ideologically for trying to do that, but realistically. Yes. You don't have to work that hard. Do we know? Hold on a second. Do we know for a fact? We don't that's know for a fact, but it seems like because just... Batu had. That's my assumption. Galaxy's yeah. Edge has been established to exist. I thought it was just to set up the Maybe. ride. Is what I felt like. 
I thought it was to set up the ride because the ride involves yeah. Kylo Ren and Batu and but the like Resistance. he walks around was... the park and is like actively looking for yes. Bimarati. You know for what I mean? For the spy and the girl Ray. So, so I think there has to be a reason for them all to be on Batu between episodes eight and nine. So overall, yeah. I think the real question is: Fair Does enough. it ruin your experience no, when you ask ruin. these questions? And it shouldn't. No, no, it shouldn't. No. No, no. If it, if it, <laughs> if questioning continuity ruins the experience, then what man, we you're in for here. a hard yeah, ride. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, like like pick up the pick up. There's a you can buy these now. Um, I think you can get them in the. Uh, I think there are Marvel Epic Collections of the Infinities yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys heard of the Infinities? Okay, so the Infinities series <clears throat> are like Dark Horse in Marvel Comics that were maybe not Dark Horse or are they Dark Horse? I think they are Dark Horse and Marvel Comics that are like blatantly not canon. Like even in Legends continuity, blatantly not canon. Like really yeah. ridiculous stuff that doesn't make any sense. Mm. Like there's a really old comic I think where like Han and Chewie like crash land the land. Yep, and then Indiana Jones finds it. Yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, fun. Like, 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 come yeah, on! Like, it's ridiculous. Day, I, and... Like, was this my favorite epilogue? No. Did it ruin the book for me? Absolutely not. Guys, at no. the end it of the did... day, I'm gonna leave it at this. ET is in the Senate. <laughs> okay. You're right. ET is in. The Senate. Yep. I, I can't argue with that. I can't argue okay, with that. Okay, let's let's hop into Easter eggs. Let's go ahead and run through these. I'll run through them as fast as y'all are ready, but if you want to talk about any certain point, then Hit me. let's go for it. So first thing, uh, page 19. Are we officially calling what happened in The Force Awakens the Hosnian Cataclysm? Yep. Because oh, that yeah. flew under I my radar bring that up until this book. Yep. Yeah, is that, I, is, I, that's I think, the official I think name. this made it. Yes, this made it. This made that I canon, I think. So. Yeah, I had not seen it elsewhere. Yeah, me either. Okay. Which is okay. I like it. It's an okay fine. name. I yeah. like it. No, I like I, it. I, know. I like it. What okay. is the destruction of Alderaan called? Uh, I guess just the destruction of Alderaan. I don't know. The destruction of Alderaan. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I've been trying. I, I come across this like I'm trying to say like as if it has an it has a name like the Hosnian well, Cataclysm. I come across this more... often, and I end up just stumbling around and then saying something like, you know, the destruction yeah, of Alderaan. The, the, I think like, that's yeah, what it's called. Because there was also yeah. a lot more propaganda okay. around Alderaan to make it seem like it wasn't a thing, whereas the Hosnian Cataclysm is like, yup, it happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Okay. Um, on page 24, the quote is, the resistance is built on hope. Mm. That has got to be a reference to Jin's line 100%. in Rogue One. So that was oh, yeah. fun. Um, yeah. Page 48, pod racing is once again mentioned, and I'm taking it as a sign that Disney is listening to me, Del Rey is listening to me, and I am getting a pod racing book sometime soon, damn it. That, that, that would be so sick. I would love to see a pod racing. I'm, or even, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be pod racing. It could be swoop bikes, too, like yeah, from Couture. Sure. I'd be fine with any I sort mean, of racing. I mean, I want pod I mean, racing. Okay, <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. I mean, re- Resistance is kind of racy, but it's it's really weak. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. give us a pod race with Oh, my God, guys, can you imagine pod racing, but like with the Galaxy of Adventures anime style? Oh, oh, that'd be, be so sick. cool. Do it. Yeah, that would be sick. God, they should just hire us for, for ideas. So good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> page 53. <laughs> I have to bring up a couple of Oga's Cantina rules. Mm-hmm. No Kawaki and monkey lizards and no ripping off limbs. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, none of that. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, for the audience, that was actually <laughs> Eric in real time. That was not a soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> Thank you, oh man okay 
Um, page 61, we already brought this up, but it was in my list here. Savvy was good friends with Laura Santeca, and I think that's really interesting, and we kind of fleshed out why that's important yeah. already. So and if you love Laura right Santeca, uh, he does make an appearance in the Poe Dameron comic. So, much. Yeah. Oh, a, a great Actually, that's appearance. Like a, yeah, that's like a significant yep. part of the plot. It's very important. There. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Very good. Um, page 85, the quote is, you're no good to us dehydrated, and I couldn't help but hear <laughs> Boba Fett's he's no good to me dead when I read that. <laughs> As you Drink wish. your water. It, it, it might have been a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might have been a stretch, but it really got me. Uh, page 87, a Zexto is mentioned, and that is the same species as, yes, the pod racer Gasgano in The Phantom Menace. I think it's the first time Which- we've, we've really seen him. Which one is that in the Phantom Menace? Gizgano, he's the really uh, like pale white, like thin dude with oh, a bunch yeah. of oh, arms. Yeah. With the with the he has the droids, right? Yeah, four him arms. With the, with the uh, are you talking about the droid, the pit droids that have all the yeah, like yeah, yeah. three stooges no, no, type no, stuff? Him. That's Quadraneros, I think, okay. isn't it? I, I'm so I'm so impressed you, you remember all these casual, names, Charles. <laughs> I love the pod race, guys. <laughs> I seriously, I'm I'm not kidding. I played the crap out of the game back in the day. I. I love uh, it. That's a I live stream it. we All need right. to do. Yeah. Oh, yes. my God. oh, my Let's God. Let's do it. I've got a 64 and Podracer. Uh, I'm down. I also have a 64. I don't think I have Podracer. Have you guys played an old 64 game in, like, the last 10 years? Yes. Because it doesn't live up. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it's all nostalgia. It's, just, it's all nostalgia. Yeah. Um, it's like, God, right. these graphics are trash. <laughs> well, it was 1996. <laughs> <laughs> Page 151. And Ebonhawk is mentioned. Yes. Uh, but yeah. the actual species. Yeah, we talk, we, I think we talked about that in the first episode. Yeah, I think that we was did cool. bring Couture that up. Love. Yeah. Um, Paige... Delilah Dawson continually showing how much she knows about Star Wars. Oh yeah, like oh yeah. That's not a re- that's not a reference that you get out of just scrolling Wikipedia. She had to have played Couture a couple yep. times. To well, do that. especially because it was the spe- she actually like referenced an <clears throat> Evan Hawk like the species, not even the ship. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Page one sixty five. Vi's trip into the ruins. I it felt like Indiana yes, Jones, like thank 100%, you. Yeah. or Doctor Afra yes. if you're trying to be more Star Wars centric. <laughs> and then on page 165, she actually says the quote, "I'm an errand girl, not an archaeologist." And I was like, "This is so yes. in your face." I <laughs> yeah. love it. I was really, I was really waiting for a like grab the idol and replace it with a bag yes! of sand moment. Oh, I yeah. was really excited. And the big I, boulder I really ho- starts. <laughs> That'd be great. Yes, I was, ho- I was hoping that was well, going to happen. We get the boulder so moment in Force like, Awakens when Han's running from the Wrath Star. Yes, which is awesome. Ah, yes, true. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Page one seventy two. A convoy is mentioned. That was the pet bird of Master Lean Castana from oh, Dooku yeah. Jedi Lost. Oh, oh wow, nice. that's yeah. impressive. I can't believe that one. Yeah. Uh, 174, is it new knowledge, this is my question, that Lor Santeca helped Luke disappear and go to Octo? Because there's a quote that said, but Lor knew him, speaking of Luke, helped him find a place far off the beaten path. You could say he helped Luke leave because he believed it was the right choice. I think it's... Whoa, I that's didn't a lot. even consider that. That's a big deal. <sighs> yeah. Technically new, like, he did have the file with the final part of the map. So I think that we he can did. infer that he knew, but I think that's the most blatant it's ever been, for sure. Yeah, I mean but it was just kind not of even just that, casually, but like that's a big yeah. Thing. Not that yeah, not just that he knew, but like he yeah. actually helped Luke yeah. go there. Yep, that's, a good point. that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Which then has ramifications on Savi yeah. too, right? Because Savi's friends with Lor Santeca. Okay, awesome. Mm. Um, page one eighty two. I could not help but point this out to you guys. The quote is. 
As if I couldn't beat the actual crap out of you in a fight. Cringe. <laughs> cringe. Hard cringe. What in the world was that? <laughs> and why are I, characters I, saying it, that? You, there are a couple moments in this book that I felt like were like that. And I'm just like, I mean, some of that is Delilah Dawson's writing style. And she does she just yep. does that sometimes. Yeah. But that one got me, cringy, though. That right? one really got me. It did. It did. I think that, I think that is the most openly cringy moment yeah. in this entire book. It maybe was... maybe in most of Star Wars canon to <laughs> But be also it was it was funny. Yeah. But it was just like It was ah. funny. She's a spy, Charles. All right, I know, just trust her. I know the best She's spy in the, the resistance. I know. Yes. Um but an, another joke that Dawson had that was fantastic was on page one ninety six when they named the cave worm that attacked Archex after Hux. <laughs> they named it like the yeah. Like the Hux cave worm or something. I can't remember exactly, but I thought that yes, was fantastic. That was amazing. Absolutely. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was great. Um, page 240, there's a quote that says, Vi learned that Kylo Ren would look favorably on any scouting party that returned with Jedi or Sith artifacts. So maybe that's how he came to own Vader's helmet. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Apparently he had just a call out for any of these type of artifacts, which is another callback yeah. to Bane yep. as well, like you brought up earlier, Corey. Yeah, so that's yeah. Cool. How the hell did he get that helmet? I wonder if that's ever going to be explained. Because I don't know. Damn, the helmet. Let's see. It had been who had who had the it body? Was it, it was burned. It was burned on Endor. on Endor. Yeah, or the forest like, of Endor. Yeah, yeah. But obviously the helmet didn't burn. Like he's he's getting this metal but, but, suit. But the, like, so the helmet was who is responsible him, for yeah. going to clean? Yeah, the helmet was yeah, but, on the pyre. I know, I know. But who was responsible for going to clean up the leftovers? And he walked that one to make like, a quick buck on the black market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, low gray. I don't know what is the answer. To that? Was it? God damn it, uh, low gray. Wicked. It was wicked. I like the idea of low yes. gray just looting right. bodies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you guys played the Ewok hunt on Star Wars Battlefront yeah. Two? It is. Terrifying. There's a new update coming out. You hear about that? They're, they're adding I a new not. map uh, for it uh, on Endor for Halloween. Not on Endor. I think it's still on Endor, but it's not like, on it's the like sli- It's like slightly different than it was last year. Gotcha. Okay, I love playing that game mode late at night uh, after a yeah. couple of. If beers we can ever figure out how to live stream gameplay on Patreon, we will absolutely do some drunk Ewok yes. hunt on Patreon. No, I'm oh telling you, it is so, so scary. Fun. Two of my friends they got Battlefront because I pestered them. They're not Star Wars fans at all, and we play that late at night sometimes. And their screams coming through the mic as they're being chased <laughs> by Ewoks, and they yell "Wisties" because they know about the Wisty pouches. Yep, we'll do it. Uh, it just, it makes my life. It makes my life. That, that maybe that'll be a maybe that'll be one of our Patreon like goals. I love it. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we're we're winding down here, but page two eighty two. Yelena is talking uh, to Savvy about helping Vi fight the First Order, and she says, and I quote, can't we give her one of the... And she stops, and Savvy responds, no, just as we follow the Force but cannot access it, so is she bound by her limitations. The only weapons she'll bring to this fight are those she discovered on her own. Uh, So are we implying that Savvy has lightsabers just on deck? Yeah, man! Maybe it could be That's lightsabers. That's awesome. Could be, it's got to be lightsabers. Yeah. And what, also, and these have, what are they going to be used could for? Could it maybe be holocrons? Oh, no, it's weapons straight up. Also? Well, he says weapons, okay. yeah. All right. I mean, right, is enough. this maybe, does Nate get one in Force Collector? Oh, maybe that's how you might come across one. Do you know that we found out that one? Nate is not the Force Collector? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, we we talked that we, that was confirmed. At, at it was Comic-Con confirmed by someone week. on the storyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just wild because it makes that character so. Who the hell random. is Nate? <laughs> so yeah. That's in a crash random. of fate, by the way. I, I All know. Listeners, if you're confused, 
Yeah, true. Um, okay, page 294. Leia actually says, never tell me the odds. I love that. I Amazing. Love it. It's true. Um, page 296, Yogan Fruit is mentioned. And actually, it was mentioned several times throughout the book, but I believe this was the first time. And that's something that we saw for the first time in Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was a great episode. It was so stupid, but it was so funny. <laughs> like, like the Stormtrooper like getting knocked off the ship because Ezra like, threw the fruit at him. It's so good. Really at one hard. point... At one point, a piece of fruit blocks a blaster bolt in Rebels. Yes, yes, it does. And and but everybody's really open about it. I know. It's like, how is this? How is this, how am I being defeated by fruit right it's now? I love like, that it show. So funny. It was done. They were defeated by rocks was, on the forest moon, right? So what? That's why true. not a berry? Um, yes. So page three twenty six, <laughs> blue milk mentioned. Of course, we know it's in in Oya's canteen at Galaxy's Edge, but it's a great callback. Page 336, Kath says, you're nothing to Archex. That's a total reference to TLJ when yes, Kylo it said it to is her. Is that what they go through in First Order training? Yeah, totally. Like, for your enemies, just tell them they're nothing. Must be. <laughs> <laughs> Speak it into existence, and we can't lose. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, so I, I have this here. I don't even have this on a page number, but my next point is that I, very late in the book, I realized that Kath is like Cathound from Kotor. Whoa! Did you realize Holy this? crap. Wolfgar Cath. No, I had never realized like that. Like the Cathound. Yeah. Well wow. done. How yeah, cool is that? that. On, on yeah. Dantooine? Yeah. Right? right? Is yeah. I think it was. Oh, yeah, it is. So I thought that was yeah. awesome. Because there's the red ones um, that were page harder. Page 351. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> page Those 351. The bull, bull there is a quote that says, sometimes it's better to keep looking up for a while. And that's what Zaid said. And then he said, we'll come back tomorrow and look down again. Now, this felt to me like the exact opposite of what Jin said in Rogue One about it's not a problem yeah. if you don't look up. And so I, I totally thought that was really nice. Tons of Rogue One love in this book. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, and last one, last one. Zade is apparently from Tatooine, which first of all is amazing. Second of all, he went into pubs disguised as a Jawa, which is even better and finally, he would yell Utini to sell his disguise. Yes. And if we had interviewed Delilah Dawson before the release of this book, I would swear that that was a shout-out to us. But in my own headcanon, I'm still going to just assume that that is a shout-out to Utini and to the Living Force. And I loved it. Yes. And that is the most hilarious background that I would have we ever We love expected. you, Delilah. I, I, I yes i almost took a picture of that and sent it to you guys because i was like this, it's so is, good. this is amazing it was like it really was yes. but that does it y'all that does it for the easter eggs that i caught when i was reading this that does it for the entire black spire roundtable thank you all for participating as always for reading this book it's been a lot of fun discussing it and thanks to everyone who's <coughs> listening and maybe reading along as well uh, all right yeah. so last thing this before was, we go to this outro i'm gonna do what charles forgot and say our final ratings oh my god i forgot <laughs> the final ratings i was too excited by you i two. know man well i'm i'll start us off i'm gonna say i'm gonna stick right with my 8.5 i really like this book it's super solid delilah dawson yeah. is a rock star and i i do think we're gonna get like an un, unofficial third trilogy book and i'll be i'll be there day one yeah, absolutely. I, I'm the same. I actually, yeah. I think I gave it an eight initially. I think I'm going to jump it up to an 8.5 also because like, I think this book is going to be like, it had this cringy moments. It had his goofy things about, you know, like being the best buy and the resistance was kind of goofy and like there's some cringy lines and stuff. But I think overall, I think this book, 
is going to be remembered fondly. And like hearing Charles talk through all the Easter eggs. I mean, Delilah Dawson knows She's her stuff, awesome. man. Like, oh, yeah. like she. Well, there, there are so many superstar writers, and Delilah is one of those that just knows Star Wars in and out really, really well. She completely deserves to be here the way that Timothy Zahn and Claudia Gray do, and I welcome anything that she writes. Like, she's 100%. an excellent writer, and, and I really enjoyed this book, and it fits in nicely with, 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 with everything we know and love about Star Wars. A lot of really important mm-hmm. themes in there. Her character development is really, really good. Yeah. Her dive into mental health was awesome mm-hmm. for yeah. me. I really enjoyed that aspect of the book, and I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed talking about it, I think, more so than most of the other books that we've had roundtables on in the last like, right six months. Charles? So. Yeah. I agree with everything y'all said, so I'll keep it short that I think it is very telling that I'm lowballing this book by sticking with my 8 out of 10. All right. We almost had our first yeah. trifecta, but maybe maybe the next one. <laughs> um, and I think yeah. – uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Our next one is probably going to be Resistance Reborn. Yeah? Unless unless we have a super brief yeah. thing on Spark of the Resistance. Yeah, we, so we might have uh, in, the next, in the coming month, we might have a little brief talk about Spark of the Resistance. Maybe um, we might touch on Skywalker Saga, Dooku Jedi Lost, the script book came out. So um, yes. less official roundtables for those, but keep Let's, your eyes pe- or your ears peeled, I guess, for our thoughts on those. Or eyes, Ooh, if it's video be. content by then. True. Yeah, yeah. Really quick, just to plug a couple of things. We don't normally do this, but there's so much big stuff coming down the line. Yeah. I think we should do it. Um, just in case you missed it, Dooku Jedi Lost came out on uh, hardback last week. Uh, Charles has got it on a shelf behind him. Eric and I both got them as well this week. Man, the cover is absolutely it's gorgeous. Go- Even back. more gorgeous. The yes, back. it's so sick. There's yeah. this beautiful like Empire Jedi logo. It's so sick. The blue and red go together really nicely. If you haven't picked up the the audio drama, if you will, if you haven't picked it up in hardback written form, it's really good. It's written like a play with all the characters, like names and then their dialogue. It's really good. I haven't started it yet. Eric, uh-huh. I know you're mostly through it. Um, if you haven't picked it up, go ahead and get it. There's some big stuff coming down the line. Make sure you don't miss it. Um, Spark of the Resistance came out last week. It's like a really short sort of um, young adult, almost young yeah, readers. It's like if book, you read really, uh, like Smuggler's short. Run, uh, Weapon of a Jedi, like they, they, they've done these type of books before in the Journey too. So looking forward to checking that one out. Yes, yes, yes. Um, then we have some really major works coming out really soon. Star Wars Resistance Reborn is the next adult novel that's currently on slated for release, coming out November fifth. Um, it's a full-length novel. It's going to have all the main characters that are in uh, in, in The Rise of Skywalker. It's got Poe is huge on the cover, Leia, Rey, uh, Finn. Everyone's on the cover. This is the first really big book that we've gotten. Um, if you're a new listener and you haven't heard us talking about it, make sure you pick it up. You can pre-order it. It's coming out uh, November 5th. And then lastly, the one last one I'll plug here is uh, Force Collector. It's a young adult novel coming out November 19th. And um, we thought it was Nate from – Fate. Uh, uh, Crash of Fate, but apparently it's not. Uh, we don't know anything about this book. We have like virtually we got our first no excerpt this, this past week. Uh, it, it dropped up, and it, and, yes. it, and it seems like uh, it centers around a guy that has a power like Quinlan Voss that can touch the objects and then uh, see their histories. Yes, but that's, the, the mm-hmm. cover is super interesting. We we broke it down. Uh, we like really looked at the cover in depth. Like when they announced this book back at uh, San Diego Comic Con, I think it was. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff on the cover. It's a young adult novel. We've gotten a lot of really great young adult novels, so make sure you uh, don't miss that one. That's coming out November 19th. And tons of other comics all coming out. We've already got all the new stuff just announced on the site. There's a really cool 
page on utini.com that's got all the release schedules and if you pre-order through our website you can click the amazon link we get a measly four percent of the sale but it's a little bit extra that helps us pay for the bills with the website which is shockingly expensive and one last thing that i don't want to miss by the time this episode goes up on thursday uh Corey and charles journey to episode nine allegiance number one is out Tomorrow as we're recording, so that's going to be with the Mon Calamari um, and everything, and we get some new canon content going up to episode nine. So make sure you head over to Comicsology and grab that as well. Whew. But my friends, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Living Force. If you are new, welcome. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and tune in every week to hear us at Utini talk about the Star Wars expanded universe. Please leave us a review on iTunes to help people find us and head over to utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. If you're looking to buy some of those books Corey was talking about and you want to help support the show, you got to look up your book on Utini, click the Amazon link in the profile, and we do get that 4% to help us with these bills. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on patreon.com slash utini, where you can join our amazing patrons, Dylan Sasser, Adam Dyson, Timothy Dunlap, Rural Farmboy, Chris Richmond, Juliana Mendez, Adrian Carlson, Ross Greco, and Terratano. Whew, I love not being able to get through that in one breath. If you want your thoughts on this show, email us at livingforcepod at utini.com, tweet at us at livingforcepod, or join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. You can find us all individually on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Henkel. A special thank you, as always, to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Freddie, our producer, and Wes, our community manager. Thank you to Corey and Charles for podcasting me. And as always... May the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the Force be with you.